Welcome to another episode of the Recruiter's Review. I am your host and creator, Pat Mingarelli. In this double episode, I'm going to be talking about how to evaluate income and money in an opportunity, as well as evaluating lateral and forward career moves, depending on your circumstances. Would you rather pick 100 apples or 50 apples if you're an apple picker? How about if you work at an orchard that is paying you a dollar per apple and they want you to pick 100 apples a day? Now, let's say another orchard in town offers you a job and they're going to only pay you 50 cents per apple that you pick, but they only want you to pick 50 apples a day. You might say the 100 apple a day orchard has a better deal for you. But what if the orchard that is going to offer you 50 cents per apple a day up to 50 will then pay you $1.25 per apple for everyone you pick over 50? And then they have a plan that if you pick even more than 100 apples, they'll pay you $2 per apple for every apple you pick over 100. Now, what orchard has the better pay plan for production? Sure, the first orchard mentioned has a good pay plan if you're a low producer. If you're one of those people that does the bare minimal and that's all you're going to do, stay there. But if you're a high producer... Orchard B has a plan that pays you a lot more, especially if you know you can pick 100 apples a day or more. Orchard B appears to incent high production. So before I talk about how you evaluate a lateral move or a career forward move, I do want to talk about the example I just provided. I have some advice on money for those who are with incentive pay plans on top of a salary, such as salespeople, especially top performers. What I hear almost always when I approach someone with an opportunity is the question, what does it pay or what is the quota or what are the on-target earnings? I've noticed a very common mistake when incentive-oriented people and salespeople are trying to evaluate a new opportunity. As I mentioned, they'll often ask, what is the on-target? And then some are very quick to reject the opportunity, citing, well, you said uh, 220 on-target? Well, I'm on 250 now. That's a step back for me. And that's a big wrong. That is assumptive, and we all know the saying of what happens when we assume. Compensation plans and quotas are seldom the same company to company. Perhaps maybe with very direct competitors, but in similar spaces or ancillary markets, things are not as black and white as you might think. Uh, Things definitely become apples to oranges instead of apples to apples when it comes to comparison of compensation plans or apple picking plans, as I did in the beginning of this episode. The person who said it's a step back, that person is not realizing. They may have to sell a lot more in the current role to hit their current target. I had a medical uh, capital equipment sales recruit miss out on a position that is likely to pay four to $450,000 in 2024. His evaluation was as I just stated. My client has an on-target compensation package of $215,000. In other words, if, you, if that person hits quota, they make $215,000. The recruit that I was trying to pull into this role his current on target is 250000 So if he hits bare minimal expectations, he earns $250,000. However, what he didn't realize, he has to sell nearly double what he would have had to sell at my client. So my client has huge accelerators that kick in once they're at target as well. So if he sold the same amount at my client that he does for his current company, instead of making the 250 you make as 100% of quota, he actually would have made $325,000 because of the accelerators my client has for over quota performance. Uh, And so on more so, he was actually selling an antiquated equipment line. So he was not in the exact same space. My client has a new disruptive technology and it would actually replace what he sells today. So as he's running out of places to go sell this old equipment, my client has this greenfield opportunity where he could step in and go to all of his contacts and now sell something that they don't have, which is a replacement, new technology, disruptive 
medical capital. He would have made double, but he thought this was a step back by simply saying, what's the on target? You have to realize on target is simply a number. It does not mean that that's all one is going to earn. It simply means this is what you will earn when you hit your target with us. And the target at one company may not be the target at another. And when you get into things like recurring revenue and other pieces of, of incentives, target is often an apple to oranges comparison. So don't be so quick to turn down an opportunity simply on what the target earnings are. Go a bit deeper and find out if your apple is better than the orange being offered. You might have to pick a lot more apples than the oranges. The, the first question you want to ask uh, after is, what does it pay? And yes, I get it. We all have our standards of living and income levels, and you do have to vet out roughly, is this something that you could even afford to do, or is it going to truly be a step back? So again, a salesperson that's on a $100,000 salary that's paid two hundred and fifty dollars at plan immediately says no to a position because he heard the job with a ninety dollars salary that pays two hundred dollars at plan must be a step back. But many fail to dissect, and they don't see the bigger picture. For example, software sales. If a software salesperson has to sell $2 million to make $250,000, what if the company approaching them sets the quota at $1 million? That means you, if you can sell $2 million today and make two fifty, dollars what if you go sell $2 million for that other company and with their accelerators being over quota, you'd make $300,000? So that metal equipment rep that I was telling you about, we had dissected his comp plan, his quota, and again, he would have made about $350,000 selling that same dollar amount for my client, even though he wasn't quite in the same uh, type of equipment. And by the way, my client was also offering equity, and that's another thing he did not have in hand. So his quick, nope, it's a step back for me, it held him in place and left him in a role where he had to work much harder and he had to sell much more than he would have had to have sold at my client's company. And one more thing, he just called me in January of 2024 asking if that job had been filled. And fortunately for me, I filled it, but unfortunately for him, that job was filled. Uh, his quota was significantly increased in 2024. So now he has to sell even more to make that amount that he's made. He finally understood what I had tried to tell him, but like I said, unfortunately for him, the role was filled. And now he's telling me, please call me on an opportunity. Now I won't be so quick to say no. So don't be too fast to say no on that surface money. Look at it more closely. The ways you can dissect it. Start by asking, what is the quota or the goal? Also, what's the current market share? Yeah, the guy that turned me down, again, I told you he was in an older technology product line with very few places to sell anymore. I think they were at like a 96% market penetration. My client had that latest disruptive technology with a brand new huge greenfield opportunity. Ask about accelerators. And then also ask about the big picture. Are they going through an expansion? Does this mean there's rapid career growth? And again, I get it. We cannot afford to take pay cuts. And I would not expect anyone to unless they absolutely had to. Just don't be too quick to judge something as a pay cut without the facts. Ask the right questions and be open to what you're being told. Or you'll still be the apple picker making 100 bucks a day when you could have been at the other orchard doing the same amount of work and making 200 On February 20th, 2020, Ladders published an article by Thomas Opong titled, The Biggest Threat to Your Progress and Success is a Closed Mind. Keep the mind open and you'll open up the doors of opportunity. And speaking of opportunity, sometimes you find opportunity. Sometimes opportunity finds you. That holds true when it comes to job opportunities. Sometimes you find the job you're looking for. Other times it finds you by way of somebody like myself or an industry connection that has reached out to you. 
Opportunity is a relative term, especially in this discussion. Be that opportunity to advance your career or opportunity to resecure employment if that's what you need to do, or opportunity to save your employment if that's what you need to do. And this begins the second part of this episode on evaluating opportunities. And when it comes to our employment and careers, there are two things that are required. The first is continuity. You need employment continuity because that's how you continue to get paid and that's how you build experiences. But you also need progression on your resume at certain points in time. And again, as you evaluate opportunities, are they keeping employment continuity? Are they keeping you paid? And are they providing the progression on your resume that at some point somebody's going to expect to see if you are going to make yet one or two more moves in your career? And I do want to talk about progression first. I have seen resumes where 20 years later, the person is still interviewing for, showing, changing jobs at the same level. They have never made it past a certain level on their resume. I also find that those are the people that are tending to change jobs every one to two years, probably because they're in a market that affords that. There are pieces of industry where the shortage is critical and it is pretty easy to change jobs and get paid a little bit more somewhere else. Unfortunately, there comes a point in time though, if your resume shows nothing but same job every year, different company, continually one after the other, there comes a point when somebody looks at that resume and says, I'm not interested. They're going to be out of here in the next one to two years. Statistically, job changes should be double tenure. So when you're young and starting out, first job, six months, well, the next one should be at least a year. Next one should be two years. Then you make the four-year move. And at that point, now you're settling into that uh, career type move where the next one's going to be five to eight years. And then after that, if you move, that becomes your decade-long job. Now, of course, things happen in between. Um, layoffs, mergers, acquisitions, where you're forced to the job market, you might have to throw a short move in there before getting back on track. But stability coupled with progression are what most executives look at when they look at a resume. And when the job market tightens, that's when those employers have the luxury of picking out resumes, weeding out what they don't want on paper. Most like to see a resume that shows when jobs were changed, it was, you can see it on paper, it was a right reason. A sales representative moves to become an account executive who then becomes a major account executive and then becomes an enterprise account executive and then they become a sales manager. That's a resume showing progression. However, sales representative to sales representative to sales representative to sales representative to sales representative, that's a very flat line resume. And sure, there may be always there may always be a job for a sales representative, but those who are wanting more in life later, you want to start to plan the resume with progression as well. So if you are currently employed and things are going well, you will evaluate opportunities based on what they can now do for your resume and progression. You should have done the decision to stay or go exercise that I had you do in season one. If you have not done that, again, go back to season one and listen to my episode, The Decision to Stay or Go. When you make the decision that my career can no longer progress where I am today, that's the decision to go. Now you begin to evaluate opportunities that find you or you find them based on that question. Does this give me what I can no longer have today in the job I hold here? That's how you know 
if that move makes sense and you're not in a position where you have to make a move because there's a looming layoff or you've been laid off. We'll talk about that here shortly. So if you are currently employed, you don't have to move, but you want to think about the two things I said that are vital to your resume, continuity, and that also means longevity. I'm going to say continuity and longevity. We're going to use those uh, in combination and then progression. Can you keep your resume that shows you have longevity of employment and that you have career progression as you have made your moves from the beginning of your career to where you are today? A question you can ask yourself, and if you can't answer it, then seek somebody out like myself or somebody who really knows your industry and can give you solid career advice. When you have a job opportunity or a job offer and you're trying to decide if it's worth leaving the job today, don't ask this question, what does the job do for me now? Usually that means you're asking the question, what does this pay? What can I earn now? Ask yourself the question, what does this job do for my resume if and when I find myself back to the job market, whether I want to or I have to go to the job market? Does this job take my resume forward? Does it keep my employment history stable? And can I show a prospective employer that I was able to step forward from one level of job to the next. Here's what you don't want to say in an interview. Well, why'd you make that move? It paid more money. <laughs> That's where I'm going with this. So you evaluate opportunities on that front. What will it do for you when you go back to the job market? Will that job show the longevity and progression you need? Or is it going to be another short-term job where you thought you were gonna make more money and you decided you don't like this either? That's why it really is imperative you do the exercise of episode one, the decision to stay or go. That is career planning. You're planning what you're going to do when you finally can make the move that takes your career where you want it to go when you've reached the decision and made the decision that you can't do that today. Now, what happens when it's not your choice? Your company is merging. They've announced layoffs are coming or they've, they've laid you off. Now you're evaluating jobs from a different perspective, but you're still using a lot of that exercise, you still have a criteria of, of what you're looking for, as well as what the job will do for your resume. So you're not just taking any offer that comes along or the highest paying offer. You ask yourself, what will this job do for me if I take the job today? And what does it do for my resume? Should I decide to go back to the job market or I have to go to the job market? Does this job help my resume? Does it at least keep it where it should have been? Or is it a step back? If you navigate back to your screen and look at this episode's introduction, I have provided a link to the decision to stay or go in the pre-move exercise episode I've mentioned a few times. Whether you're strategically planning your move or you've been unexpectedly forced to the job market, that exercise is a must so that you can evaluate any job opportunity that is in front of you. And until our next episode, this is Pat Mingarelli signing off from the Recruiter's Review. <laughs>